this is just <laughs> how we do it. We just banter. I mean, you know, we just kind of hang out and chat and and then we start with what we're actually doing. Yeah, we're going to learn about you and fanboy over you. So <laughs> be prepared for that to be reciprocated. Yeah. Be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that's the, the show. other thing is uh, KJ just breaks into song at random times. So. We like to sing on the show. It's kind of my I profession. I would say in 48% of the episodes, there's some singing. That is a no, factual statistic. <laughs> yeah. I you do can the math. Take that fact to the bank. <laughs> you can take that fact to the bank and sing it. That was good. You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Alrighty, people, welcome back to the John Chi Show. It is good Ooh. to be back with you. I am your host, KJ, along with fellow hosts Patrick and Nathan. Say what's up. Nice intro. What's I like that. <clears throat> I felt up, like I was everybody? at a sports game for a second. That was good. Let's get ready to John Chi. <laughs> 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 Y'all ready for this? Anyways, we have an incredible episode. Um, lined up for you we have an interview with chris wheeler the one the only man myth and legend yeah he's all three so uh we talk about his adoption story of course but then talk about what took him from the midwest out west what brought him back to the midwest and really uh where he's at on his journey as a a korean as an adoptee and everything in between um the thing that he's most excited about the thing that he's most daunted by um and then we get into our very first properly revisited food section which is really exciting we're going back to that french thing that none of us know how to say so (laughs) you can read it in the title uh but it's really interesting also sorry because the audio isn't great because i was in texas and so it really bothered me it probably won't bother anybody else but (laughs) maybe i'm just apologizing to myself oh also i forgot to mention this uh (laughs) Patrick gets a weird big head at the end, so he's just like, someone feed my ego. Uh, So yeah, so that's really fun. Um, Also, this may or may not be the last episode of the John Chi Show ever. Um, we'll find out. Just uh, jump around. There's time codes if you want to figure out, like, just skip to that and spoil that for yourself or not. Um, but that is kind of a rundown of what's going to happen in this episode. So we're really excited about it. And we're going to roll that clip right now. Or we should talk about what John C. Show means. Oh, yeah. Or we can talk about what John C. Show means. That's fine. <laughs> nope. I literally never. You just remember. said it was the last <laughs> show ever. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, as a part of our. Potentially final show, no spoilers, but maybe our final show. John Chi, Nathan, since you always call me out on this, what does it mean? <laughs> John Chi, J A N C H I. We are the talking Joan about Cusack show. the John Chi, John Cho, <laughs> Juji. Uh, yeah, we're John Chi show. It's uh, celebrating, it is feasting, and um, just being ourselves, our adopted selves, and nice. looking to see what that means and what the Korean culture is all about, including the food and including history, culture, everything. We are learning and exploring together. That is my best I appreciated your radio voice right there. Nathan. Thank you. I don't radio know. That was probably radio. a lot more than really what John Chi means, but you know, you've been listening. You know, you know we, we take liberties with what it means. So yeah, that's what we do. Uh, I think we say, I think we define it differently literally every episode. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. that's more about so, what the show's about, not what the word means. If anybody <laughs> came to the show trying to figure out what, how, like, how to speak Korean, 
that was a terrible decision because uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have the worst definitions. You'll be like, uh, well, the Junchi boys say this. I'm like, that's that's not, I mean, that's like not inaccurate, but it's not the mostly accurate. So, <laughs> mostly anyways, inaccurate. roll that tape. All right, good intro. Jeez. Well, it was an intro. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. This is, we don't do episode numbers anymore. Um, this is also not the top of the episode. Yeah, this is so. the interview part. Welcome interview. back to the John Chi Show. We are here with very special guest, Chris Wheeler. Chris, how hey. are you? I am doing well on this cold and rainy night. Mm, Welcome that to is the show. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, of course. So let's kick this off like we've got all of our interviews. Uh, tell us in as brief or as detailed a summary as you want to give your adoption story. So I was adopted in 1986 um, from Incheon, so, which is just west of Seoul. So I feel like I've only ever met one other person from there. Um, and so... The airport is too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's either from like Seoul or Busan or somewhere in the middle, but... No one's ever from Incheon. <laughs> so um, pretty standard Midwestern growing up here. I have two wonderful parents. I'm pretty, I'd say I'm pretty close to them. I'm an only child um, and they're boomers. So there's a bit of an age gap, but that's worked really well, but also <laughs> not always been the, the greatest. Um, but to, I guess suffice it to say, I, I they're great. So I, I I've heard many stories about adoptees not having good experiences, but I've been really lucky to have uh, very supportive parents, really great parents who never tried to whitewash. Um, I think as the story goes, when I was four, um, I think I was watching Sesame Street or something. And I think I pointed out, I, I said to my mom, I was like, Oh, Hey, that kid looks like me. And she was like, Oh, we're having that talk now. Like, so <laughs> it was, it was quite something. Um, and as far as um, reasons why I came over, um, I was only four months old, and I guess it's pretty typical um, unmarried couple, birth parents, um, and my mother had some mental ill—sorry, um, sorry, mental health issues, and then my father, I believe, was like a, a rice peddler or something like that, where he couldn't take care of an infant. So I'm not sure how long I actually stayed with them, but. Um, from the adoption agency, actually, um, they had told me my father, when they got in contact with him a couple of years ago, they had, he remembered walking me to the orphanage. So um, that was something. He unfortunately passed away um, last year, so I didn't get to meet him. But um, yeah, so I'm kind of, it's kind of piqued a little bit of interest there and figuring the rest of it out. But yeah. Yeah. And then I um, grew up in a very small town in the middle of Michigan, but on like a little over an hour west of Detroit, um, but closer to the capital city. And then, yeah, went to college out west, did a bunch of different stuff, ended up back here somehow. <laughs> so, <laughs> Where at in Michigan are you at now? Uh, I currently live in the metro Detroit area. Okay. So I um, shout out to Nick Capicotto. Nick Capicotto. Yes. <laughs> do you know Live him in real life? pretty close to him. I do, yeah. Oh, wow. So, We're going to have to have another um, show where you both are on at the same time. <laughs> yes, he, in fact, yeah. I owe him a very big thank you for uh, mentioning you guys in the show. 
Cool. All right. Well, we also owe him a very big thank you for mentioning us and our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great. <laughs> Good follow up. Great. Um, I wanted to go back and touch on something you talked about. Um, you know, you talked about your parents being very supportive of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you specifically mentioned that moment at four, uh, watching Sesame Street and mm-hmm. recognizing someone that had looked like you. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about your experience growing up, uh, being what it seems to be, you know, coming into some uh, racial self-awareness uh, at an early age. Did you feel like you were able to continue um, being aware of that as, as you were growing up? Or was that something that hit the back burner at all? It was funny. Um, it was just the three of us, my mom, my dad, and myself. And it was never hidden, I think, from that point on that I was, that I looked different, you know. They kind of explained it to me. Um, you know, you're from this very special place on the other side of the world, you know, and your parents there couldn't take care of you, so you, um, you were sent to us, you know, so we could take care of you and all that. So it was a very, always in a very positive light. And so for me, growing up, that was pretty normal. Um, so like the, like the whole idea, I think of interracial adoption was just normal. So then when I went, I went to a really, really small school. I think I graduated high school with 50 some people. And like, what's really funny is, you know, this town is located under half an hour away from Michigan state university, which is a huge university, but on either side of this little town, were um, much bigger schools. My friends were um, like graduating with the classes of like 250 or something like that. So it was just this bizarre little thing. And so there was a little bit of funkiness growing up um, because kids can be kind of mean. And I think it was a pretty white area. So like, you know, I look different. So there were all sorts of questions, just no filters (laughs) and, you know, a little bit of hazing, I would say. And looking back, it's hard to tell if that was just what the kids said because that's what they heard at home or if they really meant it. Often wonder that. And then when I was in high school, that was around the time 9-11 happened. And then it kind of hit the fan um, because, I mean, I'm not the biggest patriotic person per se. So <laughs> not really being buying into that or just, just not having that be a, something I'm particularly into was not a good thing at that time. So there was a lot of not very nice things. I shared a, a locker with a close friend of mine and she was like, looks the total opposite of me, blonde, blue eyed, whatever. And we got like hate stuff put on our locker and no one really did anything about it. <laughs> it was a lot of gaslighting looking back. And um, I probably didn't help because I stirred the pot a little bit <laughs> by kind of like, well, this is what I think. So leave me alone, you know, and that wasn't good enough. So I would say as I, as I got older, it got a little worse. Um, but growing up wasn't too bad. I think I'm, if it did, I think my parents just kind of, they didn't really know what to say beyond. I'm sorry. That's not true. You always, you know, you're very special to us, blah, blah, all of the usual. They're like, well, just ignore it or be the bigger person, stuff like that. Yeah. That's something my parents have always said too, is they're always have said, you know, the, all kids get bullied or all kids get made fun of. And it it is true, but I think the reasons behind why people get bullied is, is different. And that's, what's important to look at. And so, yeah, be sorry that you had to deal with a lot of that out there. (laughs) You know, it's really, I think you just build a thick skin to it. 
um, which comes in hand, very handy later in life. But um, it's funny. We had a, I think as I got older, there were other, other races that came in. We had um, a black kid come in and he was fine from what I recall. But then the really interesting thing was, I think my freshman year, we had um, a couple, like three of the lost boys of Sudan come into our school and the school was small enough. We had grade seven through 12 in one building. So they were, and they were, I think all cousins of various ages. And so what was really interesting to see was that, you know, here they are, you know, last week they're fighting crocodiles or whatever, trying to survive. And now here they are thrust into computer science class or whatever, you know, <laughs> and they're just trying to figure out how to say, where's the bathroom or, or something like that. You know, like, so I, th- so everybody kind of really took them in and really, kind of watched out for them. And, and it was just, I was like, okay, I've been here <laughs> and not to, you know, make light of their situation, but I was like, uh, <laughs> you're like, Hey, I'm also an immigrant. And you're <laughs> like, yeah. Like, just cause I sound like you doesn't mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Did that, did that one moment specifically make you start thinking about yourself as either adopted or as an adoptee or did that, did that come later still? I think that the adopt the specific adoption part came later. It was more the fact that I wasn't white. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Just like some, you know, I'm hearing your story. You know, you grew up in a white town, super white town, or like not a lot of diversity. And then, like, what's really unique that you just said is, you know, you have this flashpoint of like hyper diversity from certainly a transnational perspective. You know, so not just like, uh, oh, there's like a, a black American here. There's like, no, no, no. There's like somebody like from Africa is here and like doesn't speak, you know, so there's like a, there is kind of, at least in my own experience, there's kind of a grace when you're working with international students, you're like, you're like, I understand, you know, especially for, yeah, Lost Boy of Sudan, you're like, okay, so let me bring you under my wing and take care of you and those kinds of things. So what's been your um, experience uh, understanding yourself as an Asian American, Um, you know, that uh, from, from those early conversations with your parents to that flashpoint of, of race and nationality with 9-11 and then, um, you know, these international students, like, yeah, how's, how's your relationship to identifying as Asian American been uh, from, like, younger to high school age? I think when I was younger, it was much better. I think because you're more naive and maybe a little more innocent to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm cool. You know, this is cool. I'm Asian American. Wave both flags proudly, blah, blah, blah. And then... You know, as you grow up, you start wanting to kind of fit in more and do that. And then people kind of start dividing out into the little groups. So then I kind of really noticed it because I was like, oh, I don't look like, you know, all the jocks or I don't look like, you know, that because just, you know, I'm, I'm a band geek. So I was going to say, is it because <laughs> yeah. you were holding an oboe? Is that yes. the thing? <laughs> yeah. Or exactly. You're like, wait, this oboe doesn't look anything like a basketball. No. <laughs> I think I can hit a baseball with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bitch, I can throw this oval over the mountains. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a good javelin, too. I don't know. It's shaped like it. Yeah. <laughs> and there have been times where I've wanted to. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think as you get older, you know, and you become more self-aware and aware of what's around you, definitely I was like, oh, okay, this is not going to be is you know it's easy it's not and then i was like well there's no like there aren't any like asians on tv there's i don't have any role models really you know beyond george takai or 
you know, Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, Jackie um, Chan and George Takei, yeah. Yeah. or the guy, or the guy on the other Star Trek, um, Garrett Wong from Star Trek Voyager. He was, yeah, you right, yeah. I actually, <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> that's not. I'm not a Trekkie at all, okay. like zero percent. So, and there was um, a female in the Next Generation, uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting in some dangerous waters here, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's be so, fair. Yeah. Star Trek is supposed to be a futuristic show, and yet there was one Asian in, a, in an entire mm-hmm. starship. Come on, exactly. yeah, that's true. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> exactly. So it was kind of lonely. So I was like, oh, there isn't anyone, and what do I do? And <laughs> what yeah. did you do with your being Asian American? Did you were like, was that a thing that you lean into? And you're like, nah, forget all the rest of you. You were like, Ugh, ah, you to forget mm. being Asian American for a minute. I think when it suited me, <laughs> I did both. So when I felt like I wasn't agreeing with everyone around me, you know, with, like with the nine 11 thing, I was like, well, fine. Like, you know, I'm not from here. So leave me alone. Like, this is, what do you expect? Like, this isn't, I don't have that, you know, I was brought up with it. It's funny. My, both of my grandfathers apparently fought in world war two. So my family is pretty patriotic, but like me being me, I would just kind of always gone the opposite direction. (laughs) So I was, I was like, well, fine. I'm Asian. Leave me alone. You know, blah, 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 blah. I kind of played it up then, but the American part of it, I think as I've gotten older, (laughs) um, has kind of gone up and down a lot and it's kind of, I would say it's kind of on the low. I would say I identify more these days. Definitely Korean and American just by proxy. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Sure. Deep, uh, so you feel deeply Korean and then also American because like I live here or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, it's funny. <laughs> the Korean, that's been been a rather recent thing. You know, I kind of put it to, to rest when I went to college because I was like, oh, I just want to focus on music. I just want to do my thing, get a job, whatever. Um, I went to date and then found out that was a whole nother thing. (laughs) And then it's kind of been sitting there waiting for me to look at it. And now it's like, okay, you have lots of time to think about things. So let's tear this apart. Well, that was going to be my next question because you said you went to college out West. Where did you go to college at? Uh, This tiny little art school called CalArts. Gotcha. So you were out in California. Well, yeah, California. Yep. Okay. In Los Angeles. Sorry. <laughs> he was out <laughs> in, clues. I was putting in, in Washington. CalArts. Is that for calendar? CalArts in, in, in East in, Washington. In, in exactly. Canada. Uh, no, it was just about a half hour north of L.A. Calico? Okay. So I, I asked that because, um, you know, going out west, a lot of people go that way because there's more diversity. There's more opportunity to become enmeshed. And you had said that you wanted to focus on school specifically. So you kind of, it did kind of take a bit of a back burner at that point. Mm-hmm. Was there, was there a major change for you going out West and experience? Did you get to experience more diversity even at your school? Definitely. School? Yes. Cause <laughs> there's this running joke that I heard once and it's kind of, it's kind of true. I'll just say it like, it's not an orchestra without an Asian. <laughs> Good. And you made KJ so, laugh so hard he changed location. He moved to a new location. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, maybe I should change my background. Yeah. Now I'm in Starbucks. Funny. But um, you know, going to music school, you know, I was like, there are suddenly a lot more Asian people, you know, and just like and like you're saying, international students and stuff. And I thought that was great. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, like finally someone who looks like me and people aren't gonna look at me like 
that oh the asian kid from my class you know he's just another student here and so that was kind of nice and then being in the greater la area that was fantastic you know because it's so much and i actually um i did one month at usc and that was in 2008 when the recession hit so that's that's basically how i ended up back here but um i almost lived in koreatown actually <laughs> oh, cool. um renting a place and i w- i was coming back from looking at this place and i went to this korean restaurant and the menu uh, had no English on it. So this waitress comes over. She's like, Anyong. And I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to like point to what I wanted. <laughs> and you I could just watch. Life. I just saw her her face and I go, oh. <laughs> it was like, well, I'm paying you. So <laughs> that wasn't the reason you didn't live in Koreatown, though, right? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I, I have, I know that feeling. I've lived out here for so long and got that same look every time I was at a Korean restaurant. So. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's why I started. Do you ever, Fusion. Does ever, anybody ever greet you with a big like "Annyeonghaseyo" and you're like, "Nope." Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> no. About a, a like about a week and a half or about two weeks ago, actually, um, I was at this Korean market. Um, it's called Jungbu outside of Chicago. The little getaway, and um, this guy, he must have been an employee. He was like middle aged, and he kept following me around. <laughs> Like trying to like get me to buy stuff or something, and then I actually like went into an aisle that he was like stocking something. It was just a big old Anya. I was like, mm. "Hey, <laughs> you're like hola, amigo." Yeah, <laughs> big old Midwestern accent here. So <laughs> yeah, I've had that the moment where I've they said same thing. They've said Anya Haseo, and I go oh, Anya Haseo, and they go, "How can I help you?" <laughs> was, it that, was it was it that bad? Because they're okay. like, no, nope, we got to switch immediately. Yeah, we're switching back guys, oh I told you, that's a point of pride for me. It was when I met Jay from MB Asians, like, because I knew he was Korean. I just opened with, Annyeonghaseyo, and he was like, oh, are you? Yeah. And he, like, spoke to me in Korean. I was like, yes. And I was like, nah, bro, I don't speak <laughs> Korean, but I fooled you for a second. <laughs> right. The follow-ups are always the worst. If Yeah, I, I almost would prefer them to continue in English after I say yes. something. <laughs> Definitely. Just know immediately to launch in English. Yeah. yeah <laughs> when Nathan like, comes in, they're like, it's that guy. You yeah, can give yeah. him one green. He's wearing, and then he's wearing a visor. <laughs> We're not even talking about that. We should We're make not that even a game. Yeah. See how long we can just not say anything and how long they'll, you know. Just smile and nod and they'll just yeah, return. Exactly. Continue talking to you in Korean. Like point and stuff. Yeah. I wonder how long that would last. I don't know the Korean's point. Uh, no, you, that's probably a good point, too. I think they, point. they use an open palm. <laughs> Chris, yeah. welcome to You're the, the show. You're the worst. <laughs> I love sorry. it. Yeah, sorry. Welcome it's to great. the show. We great. just took a trip down like, tangent lane. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, no. Uh, anyways, that was my contribution. Weird positive. Um, so we're in college. Uh, we're experiencing diversity. We're getting. Mm-hmm. We're we're able to do these things. Um, and then you said you moved back to Michigan. Was that mm-hmm. right after college, or what, what? How did that? part of your journey come about well sort of in between degrees actually um and i forgot to mention i did a semester abroad in glasgow in scotland my last mm, semester very undergrad, nice. and that was incredible um because it was this really odd and it kind of it was so weird because like you know my name is pretty white so then i go over and i'm sure they're expecting somebody and then i show up and you know they don't blink an eye <laughs> and but i'm sure like but then they they wanted to know about like American culture and things. And I had to really think, I was like, Oh God, like what is American culture? Like, you know, and then there, there were some other 
Asian students there, but we didn't really connect. I don't think, I think because again, they were international students. So they probably sussed me out or whatever. And we're like, nope. (laughs) um, They always know. Really quickly though, to not to interrupt, but I do want to ask a quick question. How did you, do you remember how you described American culture when they, when they had asked you? Um, Not really because they then were like mainly interested in like, the OC. <laughs> the show, right? Because they, um, the show. Yeah. The show. I think both, or just in general, everything about it, I think. Sure. Uh, the OC. And because they knew, all they knew I I was going to school in the greater LA area, so that brought about its own, like, okay. LA culture thing, and, you know, and I was like, well, I don't, I'm not really from there. <laughs> you should have just totally started talking like surfer, you know, like, hey, <laughs> man, yeah. You just completely yeah. changed your demeanor. Exactly. Totally. I think it mostly centered around accents and they're like, you definitely have an accent. And I was like, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, it was just mainly little things along the way. Like, well, it was music school. So mainly differences in playing styles or whatever. Your oboe has an accent too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Classic. I didn't, I didn't have to be disappointed in you. Patrick did it for me. (laughs) No. Well, okay, that was that was joke, but half serious too. I I, I wonder because he did say <laughs> Chris said that there was different playing styles, so no, I wonder yeah, yeah. if okay, the playing style point. that he was yeah. doing was more American playing style. Yep. Um, but yes, that was still kind of a joke. So I get that. Okay, I, get I appreciate the explanation. Actually, <laughs> thank you. I rescind my Nathan. <laughs> okay. As we all know, jokes are are better when they're explained. <laughs> when you have to, if you don't have to explain <laughs> the joke, you're not telling it right. Yeah. <laughs> I almost got you to spit tape, bro. That would have been amazing. No. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. No, Go you're ahead. fine. No. Yeah, I don't think I probably did a great job explaining American culture. <laughs> That's okay. I have trouble. I feel like when people ask me that, it's hard to explain. What you call yeah. football, we call soccer. Mm-hmm. And we play football. And then there's baseball. There's uh, a hot dog, if you've ever eaten one of those. <laughs> we eat a lot of hamburgers, hot dogs. Yeah. And if you're getting interrupted constantly, we're probably from a, it's it. probably by an American. It's probably. <laughs> Very true. That's all I, that's you'll, all I like you'll know us. us because you'll hear us. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Me especially. Um, what was I, what was even the original point before I asked you how to describe American culture? Oh, how you got back to Michigan after you left from college. <laughs> Pulled it out. Got it. Right. So I was also to go to um, college in LA and then, I just couldn't, it was just a money issue, mainly. I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find, just all these things, one on top of the other. And I was like, I cannot do school and try to like survive. Just, it's not going to work. I wasn't in the greatest living situation at the time. So that kind of, that was a big part of it. So I was just like, okay, let's go home and regroup. And here we go. I did the thing that I said I was going to do. I went to school at last. So uh, I always thought, well, I'll get back there. And, um, it worked out really well to just stay here, actually, because I ended up going to grad school here, and that was fabulous. So, and kind of making it work. <laughs> yeah. Are you you're in grad school currently, or you went to grad school there? I went now? to grad school. Oh my god, nine years ago. Um, I'm old. And We're not ageist on the show, Chris. <laughs> Come on. And that's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan. We're not ageist on the show. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I said nine years ago. He I says was like, in his, I his wish. old. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. 
I wish I graduated nine years ago. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up just staying here, getting away, just an amazing education. And then just really, I was just like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, you know, so I just kind of just started trying everything. And yeah, and I did have a bit of a quarter life crisis. I tried, I went into a different field for a little bit to try to do something else. And I actually ended up with a job offer, but it wouldn't have let me continue being a musician to the mm-hmm. extent that I wanted to. So I was like, okay, leap of faith. I'm just going to do this. So far, it's even through the craziness of the last year, it's been okay and working out. So fingers crossed it continues to. <laughs> yeah, man. And what are you Go doing currently? I am just pretty much your standard freelance classical musician. Since performances aren't really a thing right now, it's been a lot of teaching. Um, a lot of just projects on the side, too, that I finally had time to get back into with some cover stuff, some original. I really love recording, so kind of getting back into that. Chris, I was curious. Um, so we've talked, I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. And one of the things that I've heard in your story is um, your relationship with global citizenship, essentially, right? Like going to Glasgow, having um, international students come to you. Uh, I think going to LA from the Midwest can probably feel like a <laughs> global experience in and of itself, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, we've talked about like how you have picked up or um, run with or run away from like being Asian American. And you've hinted at this thing of feeling Korean now and that being a, uh, uh, an identity that you hold very proudly. What's brought you to that point where you're like, no, I'm Korean. I'm proud of it. This is a thing that I claim, a thing that I own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What was there like a a moment um, that like that you crossed a threshold there, or uh, yeah, how would you describe like where that identity sits for you? The last sort of six, seven months have been kind of a bit of a whirlwind in me, kind of rediscovering myself, and it, I was feeling kind of down in the late fall, and I was like, okay, I'm turning 35 this year, like probably figure out like some health things because that was kind of mm-hmm. on the back of my it's always been on the back of my mind because i don't know my medical history is probably what every adoptee feels um so i was like okay i should probably figure this out and because i have the time to do this so i got in touch actually with was it korean welfare services i believe um because the adoption agency that i came through isn't defunct now so just on their formal website they're like oh go through kws or whatever so i wrote somebody there and i was like i just want medical information you know is there any info um and so started a conversation there and that led to basically getting getting some information about my birth family which i'll talk about i can talk about in just a minute but long story short <laughs> the medical history search was uh fine um but really kind of talking with this social worker there and getting a little bit of you know, information here and there. I was like, oh, wow, this is like, I haven't really thought about this in years, you know? So like, here I am, like, this is me. This is like, I have a story. So that it's been a lot to process because it's been a lot of information, been a bit of a drought at the moment. But yeah, I was like, whoa, like, there, what? <laughs> there are people related to me? Like, you know, it was, I think when you're a kid, you kind of don't think about it. But then as an adult, you're like, oh, this is real. Like, Oh, biology. <laughs> so that's just been a big, that's been a big, yeah, that was kind of the turning point where I was like, okay, this is me. I want to get more into this side that I've never really, really gotten into. So was that just like also exploring Korean culture and the Korean part of yourself as well as the adoptee part of that? Was that the Kickstarter for both? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. 
How has that journey been as an adoptee? Were you engaged with other adopted people prior to that point as well? On and off. Growing up, actually, there's another adoptee girl in my neighborhood ish area. And we met up a couple times and we're really, we were really good friends from middle school through high school, through college and such. Not really. The only other Korean people I met were like first gen or international students. So I ended up joining an adoptee group on Facebook as one does. And that's really where it kind of started. That's where I've met a couple people and around here and just you know, all over. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so many of us. Like, and I knew that <laughs> I was like, I knew that, but I was like, Oh, I didn't know there were that many. <laughs> Yeah, it's like so. when you see the names and faces of people and they're like, I'm a was adopted from Korea too. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's so many people after, because you know, like you even talked about, it, it can be very lonely. And you know, I think if you talk to or go back and listen to every one of our guests, they said some semblance of the same, of the same thing. And yet we're over 200,000 strong, just Korean adoptees and not even counting like people adopted from China or Vietnam or Taiwan or anywhere else. Uh, and it's just, it's this whole community. We're just everywhere, you know? Well, actually, there was another adoptee girl in my high school. We did. We were in totally different crowds, though, as much as you can be with that small of a population. But um, I actually, re- I, a couple months ago, I sent her a message. I was like, do you remember me? Like, I'm just curious what, if you're comfortable talking about this, maybe we could talk about it sometime. Um, and I haven't had a chance to get back with her yet. Um, but so, but we never really... We didn't a really talk, and b I can't imagine that would be something that we either one of us would have wanted to talk about at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So, she seemed pretty. We were just both kind of doing our thing, trying to well, make it work as much as we could. I mean, it's high school. Like that's. Yeah. I think that's one of those things. It's like in high school, you're like doing your best to fit in or doing your best to rebel against the thing that everybody else is trying to fit into, you know. And that like adoption is almost never a part of that you know so even if that's a a burden that you bear you're like i'm busy trying to figure out if i'm like a skateboarder or an oboist or a basketball player (laughs) yeah you know you need to find which crowd i'm trying to fit into (laughs) yeah and i'm like i'm sure we you know oh hey let's like bond over the fact we don't look like anyone else was going to be a great conversation topic (laughs) and let's like get depressed about how we feel about that (laughs) so well, in high school, too, we don't have the language, you know, to, like, have a pro- an appropriate conversation. We would just be fit, m- m- angst and emotion, and it would not be yes. us. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> angsty grunts, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, I'm forecasting that for you for at least one of your children. Right. Someone there. <laughs> angsty grunts, yes. Yeah, angsty grunts, yeah. Uh, it's already happening. So. <laughs> <laughs> They've already started. It nice. already started. <laughs> amazing so chris um did i hear you right that this has been a journey that you've really only been on for the past like six months or so yeah pretty much okay so i I think especially for nathan and i like we are certainly less newbies than patrick but at this point uh patrick kind of i mean even though he's been on the journey not very long he's like sprinted so far ahead that it's probably like Mm -hmm. Like he's been here for a minute. So uh, what's the thing either about being adopted or being Korean or whatever that you are most excited about right now? Ooh, uh, the food. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. Uh, I like it. I mean, I'm really lucky where I live. There's a really, really good barbecue place just down the road. Uh, and it also has like a bubble tea market in there with bingsu and all sorts of great stuff. Um, 
So yeah, that's like I think it's almost a weekly thing. So they have really good lunch specials too. Did you always like Korean food or have you just again started getting into that as well in this last six months? Toward the end of high school, my parents took me to a place, a barbecue place, and that was great. Um and they they like it too as long as it's not spicy. I'm the one who can and then <laughs> handle it. <laughs> but uh yeah, they never hid anything from me. Um they were very open about things. They're like, Oh, if you want to do a culture camp or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I'd never wanted to. But to finish answering your question, um, I would say that and just figuring out what it, you know, what the culture is, what kind of a I'd like to maybe start at the beginning, just like work my way through like Korean history, maybe just overall. I got a lot of topics to, to cover. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like everything is so it's different than Chinese history, it's different than Japanese history, it's its own thing. And I really like that. Yeah. What's the thing that maybe you're most daunted by about learning about? Korean whatever. Oh, probably trying to figure out the stigma against adoptees. You know, that seems to be a kind of a thing over there. Trying to wrap my head around that one. <laughs> yeah. And apparently mental health care is not a thing over there from what I'm told. So I'm kind of like, oh dear, there's a like, it makes sense that why there are so many of us, you know, if there are all of these couples giving up babies or whatever, like that Makes a lot of sense. So I guess that's a little like, okay, what's going on here with that? Like, why is this not being addressed? So kind of the grittier, the grit. Oh my god, the uh, grittier. The, I'm grittier. not. I'm not perfect. No, not not grittier. I meant the greater. That's such a fool. Uh, so kind of the greater social climate that leads mm-hmm. to Korean adoption being a thing, and essentially the reason for the four of our existence and mm-hmm. the John Chi show. And yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah. I get that. That can feel like so much there's this book that patrick loves to recommend to people it's called adopted territories and i have been slowly working my way through it and every time so i think you and i have had like very inverse reactions to certain moments in history um like so for 9 11 uh, you know like you had one opinion but like i was so young at the time like i didn't really know what was happening and so i was just like oh, a crazy thing happened, and now we all love America. Like, and we're super loud and <laughs> exactly. proud about it, you know? And I was, like, looking on my like I was looking on my clothes and be like, was this made in America or made in Korea? Then I'm extra proud of this thing, you know? And so, like, there's this weird sense of uh, American, like, nationalism that was imbued in me because of how young I was when that happened. Um, and now, like, especially reading Adopted Territories, I'm like, oh, freaking America, you know? And then, like, reading, like, Making Asian America, I'm just like, oh, freaking America. Like, there are so many times now where I have to unlearn, like, this, like, intense, weird, like, naive patriotism of my youth, you know? And then, yeah, kind of examining, like, the socio-political climate between the Koreas, between Korea and America, between like just the global world. And you're like, oh man, this is complex and weird. And I get, I get sad. I'm deeply interested and I get sad. So I understand feeling daunted and like maybe even morbidly curious about like, why am I here? Why does this keep happening? Why do we exist in the way that we do? Thank you a lot. So I hear you. Yeah. Or even, and this is probably more, I think not going to speak for everybody, but I would assume at some point we've we've all thought like, well, you know, why don't they want them to have contact with their biological families or whatever? Like, what is the big deal? (laughs) Like shame, come on. We're not, you know, you're stuck in the fifties or something like, you know, like, so that that's more, I find that more annoying than anything. Cause I'm like, this is such an advanced culture in so many other ways. Why are we stuck, you know, here so that, 
I'd be curious to find out what's going on there. Well, uh, we could have many long conversations about it. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, if that's, especially from the hist- uh, history standpoint, you know, when you mentioned that, that's something I resonate with because, you know, that's the route that I took uh, in exploration is like where trying to figure out where to start because there's so many different places that you could approach this from and just choosing history as a, as my entry point um, was really helpful, informative for, you know, how I view adoption and how I view Korea as a society and America as a society, you know, is heavily influenced by this history. And so, yeah, that book adopted territory, a hundred percent recommend that. Um, And then invisible Asians by Kim Park Nelson. And then following that up in uh, the trilogy that I consider a trilogy to save the children of Korea by Arissa O. Oh. I think those three, uh, those three books specifically tell a really complete picture of international adoption out of Korea and then other countries um, uh, from not only a historical standpoint, but from the oral narratives of the people uh, that experienced that system. So Definitely, if that's the way you want to go, uh, I could not recommend more strongly those three books. Um, but I applaud you for even wanting to take the step because I think at the end of the day, it's so difficult. You know, it's lonely, like you said before, it's lonely when we're just co- going through this as kids uh, and trying to figure this out and figure out our place in the world. Um, and then at 30, when we are figuring that out and starting to question those things, it, be- can, come, it can become lonely again because now. You don't know when you see a bunch of people on Facebook, it's like it's still like, how do I approach this? You know, and how do I know that I'm not going to get ran off out of this out of this conversation that I've been dying to have, you know, for the last 30 years? And so I applaud you for even taking these steps, Uh, you know, in the pandemic. I think a lot of us have uh, for the first time. Us three have. We never even met in person, but we're like. Let's just do a podcast together. Who cares? <laughs> Why not? And Let's become friends in front of everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and it's happened. And Well, that, I don't know. I have some <laughs> doubts about you too. Well, that's true. I don't say it on air, but I guess I'm saying it right now. I'm not really sure about you guys. <laughs> we'll see we'll see and if the next episode comes out <laughs> and that's our show everything is deleted just the website's yeah. gone every episode is removed <laughs> so I guess I say all that and I guess where would you consider yourself to be in this moment on this journey uh, you know KJ asked you what you're excited about and what you're daunted by but where do you see yourself now six months later uh, having been nowhere and now being somewhere? Hopefully, well, some more answers uh, about my biological family because the goal eventually would just be to go over there, you know, and at least meet. Um, I found a, like, long story short, I found out I have an uncle um, who's been sort of acting as a proxy for my mother who's um, found out she has, like, moderate to moderately severe schizophrenia um, so apparently she was getting all these letters, these registered letters, you know, from this government agency, you know, asking, you know, basically, you know, this person's looking for his family, you know, do you know anything? And then he saw, I guess he lives with her to take care of her. He saw these, he's like, what's up? She's like, I have no idea. And she's like all in denial. So, I, but he, the social worker did say like, oh, you know, he, first thing he asked me was if you were visiting Korea at the time. And, you know, as of now he would, you know, like to meet you maybe. You know, so I was like, oh, and then things have kind of gone up and down with numbers or whatever. 
Um, I was like, well, maybe not right now (laughs) and get a new passport over. But um, that's the goal. So hopefully I'll have some more answers, kind of have a more concrete idea of where to go along that route. And just, I think I would just like to be just more into everything, more information for my own personal knowledge, more, you know, know more people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're on your way. Good luck with the, the, the future searches and yes, communication with him. I know that's it's a it's a big ordeal once you find something. It's kind of exciting, yes. <laughs> but at the same time, overwhelming. Kind of goes slowly at times when you're like you wish it would just go a little quicker. It's like, it's like like emails would go or something like get an email the next day and then an email the next day, but it's not like that. So, um, but yeah, good luck. We. Um, are you moving on to a food thing? Is there something else you'd like? To Dang it, Nathan! I was, I was, I was really waiting for you to pull some great segue. I was going to king of segways. I know. I, I was thinking was, they really then, want a good segue here, uh, don't they? <laughs> I was like, I can't pull it out. Oh man, that's that's really funny. Well, speaking of food that we weren't speaking <laughs> of, about. Phrasing. speaking of speaking yeah, of phrasing. Speaking of, fra- we're not doing phrasing anymore. We're not doing phrasing anymore. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And we'll nope. be back with some food. All right, we'll be right back with a food. Well, Chris, no, we got to do. We- yeah, <laughs> we Find forgot a whole part Chris of here. it. We got to oh, find a whole part, didn't we? Don't no, we do? Okay. Where I you- would like to know. Yeah, the like what Chris is doing and where people can reach him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. I think probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is via Facebook. And I mean, I'm on Instagram, but I like never, I never post anything. I just kind of browse and I, I'm not that active on there. One of those uh, lurker do, accounts. Uh, I see you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a personal website, just my name, Chris Wheeler, oboe.com, but there's not much going on there because there's not much going on in general. <laughs> so with you know, can people hear you play the oboe there? Uh, actually, yes. There's okay, some, nice. a couple recordings, video I did for a competition last year. Do you believe I have some original material up there? Cool. Um, so yeah. Check that out. We didn't even talk about the oboe. All right. That's good. All right. Well, all right. Never mind. We'll get to that later. But we're going to Chris. Go find Chris on Facebook. We're going to take a very brief break and be right back with a food or beverage item. Roll it. We are back with our food portion of the John Cheese Show. We are here with Chris Wheeler, and we have a revisited food, a food that we have had before. However, uh, Chris has the the one that we had, and I'm trying to remember what episode. Um, episode 33. Is it 33? Episode 33, we had this uh, item. Good job, However, KJ. I bought the alternate version. There's only two versions of this, and it's made by Crown. And it is the as <laughs> you guys are just you guys are just waiting for you me tried. to butcher that, weren't you? That was a good attempt. Hey man, I didn't speaking know other languages is brave, no matter the language. Yes. So and I never took French, and I can barely speak any of it. But so this essentially means it's made by Crown. It says cookies from the Assa region or of Belgium. I don't know anything about it, although I do recall the one that Chris has is the Vienna coffee one. Yeah. Yeah, that one is really good. The one I have now is the white tort. White tort. White tort. White tort. Yeah. Did you listen to this episode, Chris? Did you hear? um... I did, but I was also driving. Oh. So 
<laughs> so you have no clue what we rated it or if I don't really remember. I think I liked it. But do you guys remember if you liked it? I think I'm pretty sure I've enjoyed mine. Trying to listen right now, but I'm going a little crazy because I was literally playing in my ears. <laughs> You're listening and listening to us. Wow. So that's why I was like, it's episode 33. I found it. Wow. Well, the one thing I remember with the Vienna coffee one is I remember thinking, I wish I had some coffee with it mm-hmm. while I was eating it. So I don't know about the white tort, but uh, dig well, in. Try it out. Ooh, I want to hear what Chris. you guys think. See what you think, and I'll have I'm mine mad that here. I don't have any, and if I did, I couldn't eat it anyway because I'm currently you fasting. You guys are, I know, you guys are fasting, so. Well, mine looks like a nice little cookie with a little Chris, chocolate Chris, you can chop ripple. into the mic. That's like, no problem. Look at that wave. They're, like, so small. Yeah. Like, they're really skinny. It's very thin. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what it looks like intact. Mm. Oh, yeah, ours was all crumbled up. Yeah, ours was straight crumbled oh, really? by the time we ate it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It was a crumble-up yeah. mess. All right. I think that's what knocked the rating down a little bit. I know what it reminds me of. Okay. It's a thin version of a Milano cookie. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's what it is. Did you say that on the other episode? No. I don't think so. No. That's, that's, hey, this is why we revisit things. Yes. Sometimes you come up with another comparison that's Uh spot on, and that the Milano cookie is very similar to that. But, like, Milano cookies are, like, my some of my fave cookies. I don't think that those compare, though. I don't know. I, my brother-in-law's favorite cookie. So it's thinner. So yeah, there's just yeah. less of it. Yeah. But. See, that's the common complaint for the Korean <laughs> stuff. There's less of it, which is a sensible size hmm. for food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I'm done with that first one, and I'm looking at it, thinking, <laughs> I was like, why couldn't this have been like a Kit Kat? And there was a uh, three more in here. Exactly. No, but that's the thing is like. Yeah, that's not even the full, like, you, just one cookie is, like, a fourth of a serving size, right? Well, yeah, so the, the bag or the box that Chris has in his hand right now. Oh, my God, there's a lot of them in, in there? there. There's, like, there's like a lot of I think there's, like, 20 or more or something in there, right? There's 36 in here. Okay, good. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Some quick math there. That's a well, lot of cookies. You have nine servings. Yeah. That's per not container and the serving size is four. How oh, convenient! I have a second one right here. <laughs> okay, Nathan, you don't need to brag, sir. Yeah. Since you guys aren't you here, still... oh, this one's a little more crumbly. I need my new vacuum. Where is that? <laughs> oh yeah, it does kind of crumble when you open it. Oh uh, yeah, like you have to be really careful, otherwise it just like disintegrates. Okay, I'm, into I'm dust. doing the the Patrick yeah. uh, Armstrong test. That? <laughs> That's not even that much. Chug a whole not... beer. Twice, and then, come, <laughs> and then talk to me. Chug to Maku, and then, yeah. Or as you say, Maku! Maku! <laughs> yep, I can eat four of those. So, Nathan, maybe you missed it, but how, how does that compare to the Vienna coffee flavor? Uh, I like it because it's it's more of a like a white chocolate taste mm, to it. Okay. That's probably why it tastes um, like a Milano cookie. Yeah, I, mm. I, it's good. I, I don't remember exactly... I don't think the Vienna coffee was strong coffee flavor. Oh, uh, it was that the one that tasted like the burnt hint. coffee? I don't know. Chris has uh, it. Maybe. What does that yeah, taste like? Do you, how much coffee flavor do you? It's recall? like a more also. How, how much coffee. of a how much of a coffee snob are you? Zero <laughs> percent is acceptable and maybe the right answer, but be honest here. <laughs> I would like to say, uh, I don't know, 20%. I don't know. 20%. 20%. 20%. He doesn't want to answer this question. Okay. He's like, it's 100%. I don't, I don't know. It's 100%. Do you have a cup of coffee a day at least or every oh, other yes. day? Oh, okay. okay. So you like oh, coffee. yeah. And I have a, 
have a Chemex and Ooh, grinder oh. and all that. So oh, yeah. Okay, now it's up to about 50% so he's like, now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there, you go. there you go. 20%. He's got so. a Chemex. He's got a <laughs> slow so. drip system. Yeah. I use unfiltered filters. Yes. I just had to hit my brew button 100 times to get at the brew I just smashed that brew button. I roasted my own beans. That's how snobby I am. Not at all. I have to punch my machine to make it brew coffee. Amazing. Okay. You think it's more of a caramely flavor, not really a coffee flavor. Yeah. More like a mm. Starbucks caramel drink where there's like a hint of coffee. Uh, or yeah. some might like say a caramel a macchiato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. But yes, I, I thought that was really good. I still, I don't remember what I rated it, but I'd give this one a five out of five. So Wow. But, yeah. I think that's higher than you would have given the uh I don't know. I like flavor. cookies. But maybe it was the coffee flavor. I take it. you here to hear first. I don't know. See now Nathan I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna go back and watch episode thirty-three, and then you can you can fact check me because I don't know. There we go. Chris, what do you rate yours? I give it a four to four point five. Mm, okay, you got to pick one. Come down so like like four, four and five. a quarter. Is that where you're at? Four four point two. <laughs> I'll give it a solid four. Okay, um, solid four. Solid four. Yeah. What would bump it up to the five? If it was. A little bit easier to open so it doesn't like crumble or explode. Packaging. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I am I going like to have to vacuum. So. People are always like, man, y'all y'all get down into it, like even to the packaging. Like the packaging yeah. matters, yeah, guys. So it's, it's, a huge, it's a huge thing. Yeah. But it's true. I, I mean, I, I hate it when I read a Yelp review and somebody rates a restaurant on their parking lot. I'm like, what? Is that yeah, really part of it? But yes, you know, it is. <laughs> it it kind of can be. And so, yeah. I mean, it's not until it is. And then <laughs> yeah. it's either amazing or terrible. That's so. true. Yeah. Why don't you yeah. have enough spaces for the amount of tables you have in there? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. True. Everyone drove yeah. separately. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Chris, this has been a really great conversation. It's been really awesome having you on here. And before you go, uh, you said something at the top of the show, I think before we even hit recording that I had to follow up on. So you said that you were fanboying out a little bit mm-hmm. uh and you said and i just wanted to get i just wanted to see yeah, the worst. how much of the show that you'd listen to <laughs> and you know what this experience has been like for you um and what and who we can thank for uh putting you onto the show that would be mr nick capicotto nick <laughs> capicotto he's the one who recommended it to me i think right off the bat and it's been great it's just like wow <laughs> Patrick's trying to force it like an online review. Patrick right is like, I don't know what he's doing here. He's like, validation. So, yeah. Please. Well, you guys scale keep, from you one guys to five, what would you me. give our show? <laughs> you guys keep putting it on me, saying, giving me a big head, blowing my head up. So I'm going to run with it now. I want to know when people are fans of our show, I want to know how big of a fan, how much stuff you bought on the store. Chris is a big fan. He did buy us a a coffee snack, by the way. You were one of our supporters in the Buy Me a Coffee. Buy us a coffee snack. Thank you. Buy some and coffee I, snack. Well, I don't know. I was just <laughs> combining it because we were eating a snack. But yes. Was I the first mug purchase too? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't we've know, had maybe. a few people buy mugs, surprisingly. Yes, I think you were the first. Now that I think about it. Because you shouted uh, me out on Facebook. Because or I think uh, Patrick's mom was the second. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so Classic. I know my, Patrick's mom was not the first. And so there was definitely someone before. And yes, I think it was you, Chris. Amazing. And, and awesome. then I think uh, I think Jeff just bought one. So thank you, Jeff. You're listening. But uh, well, I brought all I bring that up not to give myself a much bigger ego than I already actually. Yeah, carried. Chris, if you could give <laughs> us a review via Yahoo News <laughs> oh my and specifically shout Patrick out, then then maybe he'll hear your validation and accept it. <laughs> 
I brought it up because it really does for me. I won't speak for these two, but for me, it does mean a lot because to think that we are now at a point where we can have people on the show that are fans that have been listening to the show, that means a lot. Uh, it means that the words that we've been ha- we've been sharing and the people that we've had on have resonated. Um, and it means that we've provided or facilitated or created a space that's safe enough for people to come on and feel like they can share. And for someone who's new, newer to their journey, you know, I think it uh, means a lot to have you come on, to have you share, uh, and to just be vulnerable, raw, and, and hang out with us. So I brought that up not to just make myself feel good, but because it really does make me feel good um, and makes me feel <laughs> it. It really Patrick's no it, head doesn't fit in the Zoom winding window. <laughs> it really is. It I, really means a lot to me that uh, you've listened to the show and that you you have enjoyed it. Uh, and that you've made your way here onto the show. So thank you. It's kind of surreal because it's like this is, oh, I'm here talking about this thing that I don't really talk about with that many other people. Um, there's a little close circle. And then it's like, oh, there's like three other guys like me. That's crazy. <laughs> it definitely is. That's I, I say that every time I meet somebody new. And it's not just the you know that I have met so many more in the last uh, um, you know few months. But it's a, every time I meet another one, it's just like, Meeting the first one, I was like, wow, it's another person with a similar story or another person who's done something similar. And, and again, there's not many people that have um, that have found their biological families as well. So um, hearing that you have and that you're doing the research and the, and the connection right now is, is also uh, you know, nice to hear that uh, there are some successful ones out there. So... Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you again for, for sharing your story and for coming on the show. And Thanks for having really me. Appreciate it. One more time, where can people find you? How can people get a hold of you? Uh, Facebook is probably your best bet. And my website, which is a little bit bare at the moment, but if you want to hear me play, some stuff up there. Uh, it's just chriswheelerobo.com. Chriswheelerobo.com. Go check out that oboe and then hire him for lessons if you're needing to learn. <laughs> Um, or yes. for like your next Baroque oh, yeah. small concert. Yes. Yeah. Or a recording thing, project. Or you know. a recording mm-hmm. project. Or, yeah. There you go. You can- yeah, Chris, if ever I need an oboist, you're the first <laughs> person on my list. Sweet. I don't get around to that all the time, but sometimes I do. So I will let you know. You can well, start a band with Jordan. <laughs> all three of you guys can just. Exactly. There you go. And he's in Michigan jam too. Out. Yeah. I play. And he's on the other side of the state. I play a wood. I play harmonica slash melodica. We could make a woodwind trio. There, there you go. <laughs> that would that could work. I'm not oh. good enough. And Patrick plays a mouth could... harp. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, do you just sit here with like a, a rubber band? <laughs> yeah, between your mouth. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's I don't know. That's not great. Right. Okay, I didn't like it. But anyways, anyways, you can find us at. At John Chi Show on all the other social media platforms. You can go to johnchishow.com uh, and you can find out ways to support us, or you can go to our store, buy a mug, buy some stickers. I think there's shirts on there. I don't really know what's on there. Um, oh, yeah, there's about to be a shirt soon. on there. Soon there will be shirts. Soon. Coming soon, other stuff that you can buy. Um, you can find me at Patrick in the World on Instagram and at P. Armstrong on Clubhouse. And that's it for me. You can find me at KJ Roki, wherever I want to be found on the internet. And I am Nowak Photo on Instagram or Nathan Nowak on Facebook. And I am pretty active there. So come say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And speaking of being active on Facebook, go to johnshishow.com backslash after party and join us in the after party where Nathan is very active. And also (laughs) some other people when it definitely comes to food. 
Oh, yeah. I wanted to shout out actually specifically. Um, wait, hold on. Give me one second. I'm going to edit out this awkward pause. Nope. Leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. Nope. Leave it in. Awkward. Nope. Uh, uh, wait for, for it. it. It's not Zach. It's uh-huh. almost <laughs> there. Almost. Okay. Alicia Maddie. Uh, I wanted to shout out Alicia Maddie for posting in the after party that she went to Anfield, touched the sign. There's another Liverpool supporter in the Dungeon Show after party. And that just really warms my heart. So thank you. Uh, it's just like, if you are a person who is like, oh man, I don't want to go on the podcast, but I want to hang out with these guys. The, the after party is a place to do that. I literally, I, I tagged Zach Lubin, previous guest on the show, also a fellow Liverpool fan. And I was like, guys, there's another one. He got really excited. So anyways... Uh, yeah, it's like a, for the, for it's, the a, it's a great place to connect <laughs> and meet like-minded fellows or non-fellows, whatever you get it. It's a Facebook group. Go be. Yeah, if you wanna, right. if you wanna be part of the show, but what at Keeps. a distance, at an arm's yeah, length. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk like, to these guys in person. <laughs> even if you don't like soccer, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and or you're like, like, hey, I, I tried to make to this show. food. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the podcast. This, this is, is the what podcast. you signed Good up stuff. for. Stuff is what we all signed up for. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we will be back See you next week. Next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.